say amen. Own it. Amen. Got to own those hymns. Otherwise, they're uh, kind of pointless. <laughs> amen. All right, Judges. Judges in chapter 3. The book of Judges in chapter 3. To get just a little bit of the context, we're going to walk back just a couple verses. But the, the actual text break is around uh, verse 8. But we're going to go back just a few verses so we kind of get where things are at. Back to verse 5. So Judges in chapter 3. Judges in chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading in verse 5, which was part of our text from the last message. But we're going to get the, the problem context here. So verse 5. And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served other gods. And this is explicitly against the direct word of God, the the direction of God, the command of God. And the children, verse 7, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, their God, and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. We don't like to think about that part, but the Bible says that the anger of the Lord burns hot even down to the lowest hell. That's not a direct quote, but always made me wonder if that's where the fire in hell comes from. I don't know. It's kind of interesting that those words would be used together. But Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Chushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, and the children of Israel served Chushan Rishathaim eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Chushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against Chushan Rishathaim. <laughs> let you guys say all that every time next time. And the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel the son of Kenaz died. And so the first recorded judge, probably the first judge, um, <clears throat> the first judge, Othniel. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we thank you, Lord, for, Lord, the book of Judges, I thank you for my own heart, what you have, how you have altered my vision, Father. Lord, we ask for your, your work and blessing in this room tonight, Lord, in your preacher as he presents, and in your people as they hear. Lord, I pray that you would convict us, Lord, about what it is that's being said, and we'll thank you for it, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're probably going to say this a lot in the book of Judges, but this is, a matter of fact, the whole book of Judges is a very negative message. It's also a very positive message. 
The whole book of Judges. I mean, when we think about the anger of God, that's not positive. That's absolutely negative. But when you think about the deliverance of God, that's absolutely positive. That's not negative. So this, this is a message, and I mean, I've looked back at this. This is polar opposite, uh, which is interesting because that's what man and God are, or polar opposite. But it's, it's the, the constant sin of man with the constant deliverance of God. I want you to think about it, and we'll look at it here in a little bit, but while the anger of God sounds scary here, it was the anger of God that eventually led to the deliverance of God. If you're paying attention to the book, it's kind of interesting. But, so we have, this, we have this cycle, and you're going to see this cycle a lot, but I, because of the recent messages, I want, to bring you, I want to bring you with this cycle from the recent things that we've said. So, is Israel sinning? Yes, absolutely. So they've not followed God's word. They have God's written word of the, of the layout of the land as given to them by God through the hand of Joshua and all those men that went out and spied out the land and divided it out. Plus they've got, uh, at this point, they probably have the writings of Moses, okay, um, or they're, they're available to them. They've got, they've got the, though had the word of God up until this point, and of course now God uses uh, prophets and judges through this time, but we're not going to spend that. They still have the written word of God about the land that is theirs to possess. They just got to go get it in, by trust in the Lord. So they've not followed God's word, okay? Um, they did not have to fight in the old wars, okay? So, I mean, even this group didn't even have to fight in some of the Jordan wars, some of the Canaanite wars, okay? They did not have to fight in the old wars under Moses or Joshua. And frankly, they really don't want to. Why? Because if they wanted to, you do what you want to do, right? Typically, you do what you want to do. They don't want to fight, and therefore, they are not fighting in the wars that are necessary today. If they're going to obey God's word and capture the land, war is necessary, okay? They have instead, instead of trying to drive out their enemies and drive out false gods and idolatry, they're trying to find some sort of can't we all just get along attitude with them? Why can't we all just, you know, I know it may be a little overstated, can't we just coexist? Uh, no, not religiously. Um, I have a hard time with singers who say, yes, salvation's by grace, and then they spend all their time singing for groups that believe salvation is by works. Uh, yeah, I don't think you understand what grace is. You know, those, the two are not the same. If someone's preaching out there that you have to get saved by works and maintain your salvation by works, they're not sending people to heaven. So, anyways, I'm walking off. I gotta, I've got to stay on my notes today, so. <clears throat> Try this. They have instead, instead of trying to defeat their enemy, they're tired of fighting. They don't want to fight. They've, you know what? They fought. You know, they got all upset and they killed all these people and now they're all mad at us and what good is that? Why can't we just all get along? And so, and so what happened is just why can't we find some attainment of peace, some balance of peace was after a while their peace turned into we are now subject to the very people that we're supposed to be driving out. Okay? By the way, where does peace come from? It comes from God. Peace does not come from compromise with man. Now, political peace if there is such a real thing. Because you can't tell me there's not plenty of intrigue and all sorts of stuff going on 
in today when we quote-unquote have some sort of peace, even with some of our friendly countries, I guarantee you we have, we have spies in their countries, they've got spies in our country. I mean, it's just, yeah. We're talking about real peace. Peace, does not, peace comes from God. It does not come from treaties and compromise. Now, we're not talking about marriage here, so if you want to get into that, we'll talk about that later. We go, pre, go, go listen to the couple's and chairs messages we preached on the family. So peace comes, listen, this is where peace comes from for us individually. It's knowing God's word and following it. And that's still absolutely true today. Knowing God's word and following it. Because he's the prince of peace. He's the one that's given us the word of peace. That's where it comes from. You want peace? Now granted, peace with God comes from Jesus Christ on the cross. But peace in my life today, even as believers, it comes from knowing God's word and following it. If you want, if you want me to be real straightforward, it's called obedience. Okay, Do, it's, knowing, it's knowing God's word and obeying God's word. Peace is also a fruit of the spirit. It's not a fruit of working with mankind. It's not a fruit of not fighting. It's not a fruit of trying to get along with everybody. Galatians 5.22. Peace is a fruit of the spirit. Okay? Thus, peace is not one politically. Peace is not one interpersonally. Peace is not one with, I'm just trying to get along in the world. Peace is only one spiritually. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Okay? These are, so just we kind of connect the dots. I'm, I'm kind of doing some old preaching and trying to keep us up with the, with the thought here as we walk along. Their trouble, their trouble, and the, honestly, it's not that they wanted peace. That wasn't the problem here, okay? It was about it's how they're going about getting the peace that they thought they wanted. What they saw was all the, all the previous generation, all they want to do is fight. How are we ever going to have peace if all we ever do is fight? I mean, that's what their vision was. Not realizing that God's pathway to peace for them, or even God's provision of peace, was through them obeying God's word, which was fighting at that time. It was just, there was a way to do it. And can I just tell you this? God's way is the only way. There is no other way that you can find workarounds, you can find things that seem to work, you can find things that put a semblance of peace in life, which they obviously thought they were doing, but it didn't work, did it? Where did they end up with it? Slavery. (laughs) They ended up in slavery. Okay? God's way works. We have to, part part of trust in God is just taking God's word and saying, this is right, and no matter what I think, that's out the window, and so I'm going to do what God says. God says, this is my territory to them. I'm going to go get it and trust in God. That's what, that's, they would have had peace. So, in their pursuit for peace, this should sound familiar, but I'm going to try to stay. In their pursuit for peace, they compromised with those that they were supposed to be driving out. They started getting, just can't we get along with them? Why do we always have to have this, all this trouble and all this fighting? So instead of driving them out like they were supposed to do and destroying their, their, all of their worship places, they tried to find some balance. You be you, let me be me. Okay. Now, don't try to apply this to the United States. You're going to get really messed up. Okay. This, is, we're just, this happens in Israel. So what was supposed to end up just driving them out first, first looked like, well, we'll just leave them be. Well, the next thing you know, they find out. And listen, let's remember this is... The country of Baal and Ashtaroth, I mean, there's a bunch of other gods as well. This is the country of Baal and Ashtaroth. These are the two, this is the greatest combination of idolatrous gods anyone could ever want. And I'll guarantee you, they're by a bunch of other names in every other, in every other religion. Baal was the god of 
good product. Everything I do is, is productive. You know, it's fertility. I mean, for them, it was fertility. So I plant my seeds and I get a good crop. And that was the agricultural society. So it was good results from my efforts. That was Baal. You worship, you worship Baal, he's going to give you good results for your, after your efforts. And then, of course, Ashtaroth, the god of sex. And I say it straightforward. And, and, and how you celebrated her, how you worshipped her was, it's free for everyone, however you want it, however you like it, whatever way you want to do it, with whoever you want to do it, that's great. And I mean, this is like, I mean, just get out of your little conservative church mind a, a minute here and think like a normal person and go, what, how better could life be? All my work turns, turns into great profit and I can have pleasure whenever I want it. That's great. It's like the best of both worlds. Product, productivity and pleasure. It's the greatest thing. It's the best ever. And of course, they begin to see this. They say, wow, you know, some of their worship looks kind of fun. Can we be honest? Some of their worship looks kind of interesting. You know, what's so bad about that? Wanting to have good crops. What's wrong with that? Really, what is wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. Oh, I mean, I mean this looks kind of interesting. Hey, you should, come, you should come worship our God. Look at all the fun stuff we do over here. Okay, you should come over here. And so in this, in this what turned out to be just, you know, just a minute of just, you, know, you have peace, I have peace, we'll just stop this whole fighting business, turned out to some interest. And then after a little bit of interest, then the next thing you know, they're going over and they're checking it out. And then, I just don't understand why my kids don't want to go to my church anymore. Hello? And they, their, kids mar- their kids marry off to, to people who are in a, in this situation, idolatrous. So Israel has sinned. And God says it quite clearly. They sinned. And God's angry about it. He's angry about it. So the order is Israel sins, God gets angry, and so God, look what, it's, look what it says. It says in verse 8 that he sold them into the hand of Chushan Rishathaim. Now, there's a lot of debate about this guy's name, but let's just put it this way. It's some guy named Chushan, which might be blackness, but he's the king of double wickedness. The Rishathaim part means double wickedness. He's the king of double wickedness. And God literally hands them over to him. That, when it says sold them into his hand, it's like, it's almost as if God said, here, they're yours. Do what you want with them. That's what, that's what the word in here means. He sells them into their hand. Now, do you think God does this without knowing the future? Do you think God does this without knowing the result? Now, if we could put it, if we could put it this way, they kept telling God what they wanted, and finally God gave them what they wanted. Fine, you don't want my leadership, you don't want my word, then you go ahead and take whatever you can get from that. And of course, like anything in the world, I'm telling you, and you know it, you absolutely know it. Many of you know the little thing that you have in your life that's not a sin, it's not a big deal, but the next thing you know, it's like got your whole life. Everything You wake up in the morning and think about it, you go to bed thinking about it, you read it, you play it, you, you're, it's nonstop. That's what the world does. The world captures and it keeps sucking in every little piece it can get. So they became the property of a king they were supposed to be picking up a sword against, according to God's word. So the children of Israel, they find out that this is not a great thing because these people aren't going to be satisfied with peace. They want to be in charge. 
They're not, they, don't, they, don't, they want peace. Yeah, uh-huh. No, they want to be in charge. They want slaves. You guys drove us out. We're going to drive you out. And so instead of driving them out, they try, to, they try to get some balance with them. And the, suddenly they find themselves under serious oppression. They are under, they are under a, a maybe murderous, I don't know. At the very least, it was an oppressive way of life that they had to live. We don't know exactly what that looked like. But the response of the children of Israel was to remember, listen, who God was. And they returned to their God. I love how this passage used that term. Their God. Our God. And they, they turn unto him, they cry unto him. What does it say? Verse 9, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. They cried unto the Lord. Amen. They knew where real peace came from. You understand, that's, that's, event, that's essentially what this means. They really knew what was right. They did know what was right. They did know who the true God was. They just didn't want to have to fight to keep him. And they, you know, they didn't want to have to cause a big fuss and all this stuff. They just didn't want to have to fight about it. And finally they end up under oppression. And they know who the real God is. Then They don't cry out to Baal, do they? So they know what's right. So they turn and they cry out to God. They cry unto him. And I love this. They, God... Every step of this, every step of this, um, I mean, apart from man's sin, which is inevitable, every step of this from, from their deliverance is all provided by God, every bit of it, okay? Now, is it true that we become slaves to sin? I, I, here's the best example in the world. Um, uh, one of the... There's group, I know, I know some of you have been, so I'm not aiming at anybody in particular here. But like group meetings, so you have like Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, or I mean there's all sorts of things. And what do they get up? They get up and say, even if they haven't had a drink in like 30 years, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. Um, no. Because... We understand, listen, the world literally thinks that I'm continually under the domination, the oppression of that thing. No, you're not. You can get freedom from that. Listen, I know it's helped some people. I'm, I'm not talking about it's not helped people. But the world loves to put labels on people. And we adopt that stuff all the time. You're like this and this is what you'll be forever. You know, you, you, some of you understand it. Some of you, you know, some of you have been put in this position where... You've, you had a fairly decent reputation and one thing happened and everybody in the world, everybody in your town or your little circle judges you based on that one thing that happened 20 years ago. Hello? Because that's the way the world thinks. The world understands that the sin, sin is a thing that grabs and sucks and wants to have total domination and the lost man never believes he can be free of that. The lost man never believes he can be free of that. We know that in Christ, sin shall no more have dominion over you. We are free. Our fight will be productive. We can stop. We can find victory. We are not, we are not what we used to be. We are, the Bible calls us, again, I love this, 38 times in the New Testament, the Bible calls believers saints, and only twice does he call them sinners. Saints, we're something new. We're a new creature, a new creation. Wonderful thing. Listen, sin grabs people and drags them into slavery, okay? And if you toy around with sin, you will become a slave to it. And the only deliverer is Christ. Anytime. 
whether before salvation or after salvation, and for these Israelites, the, their only salvation was God. Our only, only deliverance is Christ. Listen, God never lets his people stay in, under the oppression of sin. He doesn't do it. God does not do that. God, God will not, he cannot force us. I, don't you wish God could just do that? Don't you wish God could just come down and say, you know, whap, 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 here's your spanking switch, you'll never do that again, on you go. Okay, it's great. I'll never have to worry about that again. Don't you wish God could just come in and fix it? Seriously. Wish God said some magic wrench that every once in a while he just reached in, click, ee, ee, ee. oh, that one's taken care of. Won't have to worry about that sin anymore. On we go. You hear what I'm saying? That's not how God works. God never forces us to follow him. But he always uses the circumstances or the, the things around us to put us in a position to choose to follow him. Come on. He does put us in a position. He will not force us to get right, but he will make the conditions proper for us to want to get right, and there's always a pathway to getting right. Always. God never blocks the doors to to one of his children who wants to get right. There's no blocked door there. Matter of fact, there's not blocked doors to sinners who want to find God. The Bible says, they'll follow after me. They'll find me. Listen, God takes action. So I just want you to say, God took action here. They, They... they were wicked. They were doing things that God expressly said not to do. I mean, you know, how, how plain is it? Don't worship their idols. Destroy them. What do they end up doing? Not destroying them and worshiping them. That's the exact opposite of what God said to do. I mean, this is clear, a clear-cut a clear example of sin as you can get. And God does not leave it. Every step of the way, he brings them back. It was God who sold, listen, it was God in his anger that sold them into the oppression that caused them to turn back to him and cry. That, wasn't it? Well, it was the anger of God, yes, who put them in the position to cry to God for freedom. You understand that even the anger of God is for our benefit? The anger of God is the mercy of God? Because his anger could just be final. Done with you. Punk. Moving on. Got to be somebody else out here I can work with. No, I think the rainbow is the promise that he'd never do something along that line again. You understand that? This blows my mind. So it was God whose anger sold them into the slavery, the oppression, that caused them to turn back to him because they didn't know what was right. It was God who raised up the deliverer to bring them back to himself. Okay, Uh, verse 9, if you will... Um, verse 9 is kind of a quick overview review. Okay, it's a quick overview of the situation. They cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up and delivered the children of Israel who delivered them. And this was his name. That, that's the overview. Okay? The, the other two verses are the more detailed version of that. But it was God who raised up their deliverer. God led them back through his anger, selling them into oppression. When they cried unto him, it was God who raised up the deliverer. Verse 10, it was God who enabled the deliverer, what does verse 10 say? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Okay. <laughs> That's a, there's an interesting piece now here of how God works. And, and we need to acknowledge this because so often we, what we want is just God and me. You know, but you know, it's funny, but you know what God tends to do? He tends to use people. He does. 
He tends to use people. Now, often, yes. I'm not trying to say a priest. Don't get me wrong. That's over and done with. We're all priests before God. But even in the New Testament, God continually used people. As a matter of fact, he appointed things like preachers, evangelists, deacons, missionaries. You you understand? Sometimes, well, we'll I'll keep going. But it's God who enabled the deliverer to have the power to deliver them. Now, you think Othniel was perfect? You think he didn't have some things they could have went and said, I don't know, do you remember that whole business with Caleb's daughter? He wasn't very, you know, he didn't really assert himself. Are we sure we want this guy? His wife had to do the assertion. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm not saying that's what people would say about the whole situation. Everything that follows is a direct result of God himself, but he used man to do it. It was God who enabled the liver. God provided a human deliverer. Now it's interesting, over the big picture, God provided us with a human deliverer also. He's also God. (laughs) Jesus Christ in human flesh provides our ultimate deliverance, thank the Lord. But what does this human deliverer do? This human deliverer, what does he start with? He grabbed up a sword and went and defeated Chushan Rishathaim. He defeated, no that's not where he started. What does it say? How did he start? Look at verse nine or verse ten. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And what did he do first? He judged Israel. The word "judge" here is literally he became the lawgiver. He became the lawgiver. He reminded the children of Israel what the law of God said that was given to them. And of course, with the word "judgment," you understand that there had to be a response from the people. The people had to respond to that judgment, say, listen, what you've been doing in this, and this is what God's word says, and no one could go to war before there had been an adjustment of their own hearts and minds to what God's word had said. Athiel didn't go attack the whole army of Chushan Rishathaim, all by the king of Mesopotamia. <laughs> he didn't attack him all by himself. There was a, there was a, he led Israel in the attack. This isn't, this isn't a story of Samson, you understand? The idea, the whole story of this thing is Othniel, he got Israel to get back to right with God like they're supposed to, and then he led Israel on an attack against, but it says that he was the one that was the deliverer, he's the one that led, just like it would say Joshua did that. Okay? Joshua led the people to victory, like, you know, or he, Joshua gave the victory, like Joshua swung the sword by himself? No, there was a whole bunch of people. Somebody had to get up and show them God's way, and then they had to choose to obey. So there's a judgment, and then there was attacking the oppressor. So he judged Israel, and he led the children of Israel back to obedience, and guess what it was? Back to war. <laughs> you understand that? He led them back to what they were supposed to be doing. What was that? War! They were supposed to be fighting. He led them back. To obtain the promises that God had already given them. God led them back every step of the way. And because they were obedient, what, what's the result? The end of verse, the end of verse uh, or, I'm sorry, verse 11. And the land had rest 40 years. Now, apparently they misused that rest and they didn't keep going. But still, they had rest. There was victory. They had, they had real peace. God's peace that was provided after what? War! (laughs) Going to do what God said to do. Obedience to God. So thank the Lord because, now listen, for us, Christ our deliverer, sin is no longer our master. Amen. For us, 
Christ is our deliverer. Sin is no longer our master. Romans 6, 6 through 9. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, like, like the Israelites. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. And sin has no more dominion over us. We have freedom. We had a deliverer in Christ Jesus. Thank the Lord. He freed us from the power of sin. It cannot be our master anymore. So pause. I want you to look, take a peek at yourself and ask yourself, right now where I'm at, might there be a sin that's acting like your master? This is what it'll look like. I just don't know if I can beat that. Okay, then you think that that sin is your master. I, there's no other way to put it. Well, I just, I, I just can't get over that. Well, then that's, that is your master, right? Even though the Bible says you don't have to have that be your master, it's not your master, so guess what? We're still human. We still live in the flesh. We can still be subject to sin. So a place where we should have victory, because God said it, just like the Israelites, you've got victory, go get it. A place where we should have victory, we can't get victory. And guess why that is? Exactly the same reason that the Israelites couldn't get victory. They ceased obeying God's word. They left obedience to God's word. Amen. And somewhere along the line, they made a compromise. Now listen, God led them back every step of the way. So listen, like I said, this is a real negative message and a real positive message. God does the same thing for us. He will lead us back. God never allows his children to remain under the oppression of sin. He always puts us in a condition where we will turn back to him, seek repentance, and find deliverance. Praise the Lord. Now, why would God need to do the same for us? Well, remember the problems that the children of Israel had. They stopped, listen, they stopped reading and obeying God's word. So the first problem was the problem with God's word. Come on, uh, don't, this is, don't, don't check out on me. The, they, had an, they had a command, this is where your victory is, go fight it, go get your victory. We have the same exact connection in our life. You have victory, go get it. Well, I just want God to hand it to me. No, God says go get it. Again, why do we have Ephesians, the armor of God in Ephesians 6, if this isn't still a fight? It's a fight. It has always been a fight. Okay? Just like those generations, listen, we first leave, we first leave God's word. And honestly, we don't really have a, mem- a memory of the fights of our forefathers. We hear about them. But we really don't, you know, there's really not, we didn't have to do any of that fighting. They did all that. And just like them, and listen, and we know this is true, listen to me. Many times we look at the, the, our forefathers, our spiritual forefathers, our, the preachers of this generation, the Christians of the of previous generation, and the generation before that. We look at the fights that they fought and we think, why did they fight over that? Listen. Don't we? We do this. Don't tell me we don't. We do this. Why was that such a big deal? That was kind of pointless. That was really kind of unneeded. And sometimes we even think, well, I think that fight might have been wrong. 
And just like them, you know what we don't want to do? Have to fight. We don't want to have to fight. We want to have peace and victory with no struggle. We want to have a wonderful liberty Christian life with with no effort on our part. Now, this is not unusual, by the way. This is typical to mankind. That's what everyone wants. What was the Bible? I think Proverbs says, a lazy man is wiser in his own right than seven men that can render a reason. Because a lazy man will come up with the simplest way to get something done. (laughs) Because he don't want to work. Oh, no, whatever I got to do to make this, I don't got to do something. And honestly, some very good inventions have been from people that got sick of doing a job they were doing and found out a better way to do it. Anyways, both, it's a carnal nature thing to not want to fight. To not want to have to struggle to obtain. Well, why would you say that? It's, it's interesting that both the world and Christianity have a book that's named Do Hard Things. <laughs> the world has a book called Do Hard Things, and Christianity has a book called Do Hard Things. And the whole purpose of those books are to teach people that man needs struggle. We need to overcome. We need to learn how to work. We have to learn how to pick something up that we think is impossible and go after it and go do it. Do hard things. Real toughness does not come from uh, reading about it. Real toughness comes from doing it. I'm I'm just, uh, I think about, uh, I mean, you you all know I'm a a war buff, but, uh, and I think I've told the story of Sergeant Dove here, the the man I met uh, back in Springfield, but when I think about the stuff that that guy went through, not just to protect our freedom, but to protect freedom for other countries. And the, the stuff he went through, I mean, I'm telling you, stuff I would never want to go through. I mean, you know, I complain, you know, I complain if, if the, the meal that I have isn't quite up to snuff. And they were happy to find a moldy roast in an oven while they were working their way through to the bridge at Ramagan. You know what I'm saying? Because the goal wasn't the food, the goal was to take the bridge. And if this needs, then I'm hungry, great, this is great, I'll do what I need. And my mind goes, I'm already almost puking. You know, thinking, no, I don't know if I can do that. But we have to apply this to our Christian life. Listen, the carnal mind, the carnal part of, our, of us does not want to have to fight. We do not want to. We, we want to find the easy way through things. When, when you start taking that kind of attitude and, and using it in a Christian life, you find a Christian who is... Okay, so let's put it this way. You're a believer, okay? I'm assuming Sunday night, generally speaking, we have people who are the children of God here. They're believe, you are believers. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I think you're, you're a group of people that are you're seeking God's will. You want God's will. Only you know that between you and the Lord, but I, that's what I would assume on a Sunday night especially. But a Christian, a believer, one of God's children who, who is not growing, and I want you you just look at your life, are you not growing? Okay, could it be you're not growing because you're unwilling to fight for it? You're unwilling to do some hard things for there to be growth. You won't spend extra time, maybe hours and days, studying Scripture and seeking God's answers for your situation in your life and your family's needs. You, you have lost loved ones that you pray for them, but you really don't have... A hope. And now listen, this is not a slam on everyone having lost loved ones. I, I've got them myself. So be, just listen to me all the way through. 
Now we're talking about lost loved ones, but, but we won't really fast and pray over it. Like real fasting and praying. Real, substantial struggle in, in spiritual things. And that's not a guarantee that those people get saved. I understand that. But listen, we got real issues in our life, don't we? Don't we? We have real issues in our life. Could it be that the reason we're not growing or not seeing those things done is because we are unwilling to do the struggle necessary on our part? Purpose prayer. Listen, if you've ever done purpose prayer, if anyone here, like, I'll just challenge you. This week sometime, try to pray for 10 minutes just finding things to be thankful for. Just 10 minutes. All you have to do for 10 minutes is thank God for stuff. I'm telling you, it's work. Even though the list is encyclopedic. The list is forever long, is it not? But in 10 minutes, your, your brain's going to wander off 48,000 times. It's a fight. To, to really pray like that is a fight. It takes effort and work. And Christians are all the time somehow wanting God to like use us like a marionette. God, you know, just you know, take over and do all this stuff. And this is so cool. And God does that sometimes. But you know what he really wants for us to do? He says, you have victory over sin. You can have this and you can have that. But you need to have faith. You need to have pray for it. And you need to work for it. You need to fight against it. You need to haul out a sword. You need to get to know the scripture. Amen. You need to handle the scripture. Churches don't grow. Why don't churches grow? Could it be, listen, could it be because the members are unwilling to fight for the growth. They're unwilling to go through the struggle necessary for church growth. So, We'll just use outreach. Kind of a directly connected to church growth kind of deal, okay? Well, you know, and listen, I know there's people in here that give out the gospel, so I, but listen, we don't give out the gospel. Well, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't, I don't know what to say. Well, I'm just really not sure it works anymore after trying it for like a day. Two hours and then another two hours. It really don't work. You tried it for four hours and it doesn't, okay. I keep running to people that don't want to hear this. I keep getting into arguments. I don't have time for this. It's my only day off. Yeah, might be a struggle. You think the people that spend their time in outreach don't have other stuff they'd like to do? Listen, I'm all for having a nice building that looks nice in town that's acceptable. But having a nice building is vastly different from wanting to change the town, change the city. Inviting others to come to church and half the time they can't be found to darken the doors themselves. You hear me? Well, it's just, it's a struggle. (laughs) You know, you keep thinking on Sunday morning, you know, Some, and you all know this, I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning, you know, and it's Sunday. Great day, right? Kids are going to go to Sunday school and junior church, and we're going to get to hear so-and-so sing, and, and we're going to get to sing, and we're, we're going to have, you know, there's going to be preaching, and then, I mean, like an hour before church, it, it's like the devil showed up in your house, or in one of your kids, or yourself, or your spouse. <laughs> Shut up! Okay, we're at church. Let's all go into church. You know, pass out the smiles. You think that's not normal? That's absolutely normal. 
Why? Because doing right sometimes is a struggle. And you think the devil is going to stand by while people start doing the right thing? He's just saying, oh my, look at him go. Oh no, what am I going to do? You know, how, you know how the Israelites found peace in this situation and everyone coming? Obedience to the word of God. And thank the Lord because God doesn't allow his children to stay in disobedience. It's the mercy of God. It was the mercy of God that provided the, the oppressor. It was the mercy of God that provided the deliverer. It was the mercy of God that enabled the deliverer. It was the mercy of God that caused that human deliverer to turn and point his finger at the children of Israel and say, thus saith the Lord. And it was the mercy of God then that led that group to go and conquer the enemy and gave them peace for 40 years. Mercy of God all the way. God will not let you stay there. God will not let you stay in a position of disobedience. He is going to put you in a position where you have to recognize and acknowledge your disobedience. Amen. Romans 2, 2 through 4. New Testament says it's clear as a bell. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness? And forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. That's what God does. It is that's what Christ Himself, Christ Himself now leads us back because He is good. Amen. He is good. And he leads us back through his own heart. He leads us back through the, through the word of God. He leads us back sometimes through just random things that God does to us. But often, 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 he uses a person in our life to point, us, to point our bony finger at us and say, Thou art the man. You, gotta get some, you have some things you need to get fixed. And it's no fun. It takes struggle. It takes effort. Christ, listen, you, you can't look at, this is the biggest argument I get all the time. Well, how can I ever listen to that guy? They're a, you know, they're, they don't even do half this stuff themselves. Is the message coming from the guy or from the God of the guy? Hello? Because if we really believe that truth, none of us can say anything to anybody, period. We're done. But here we are. Let's see, what is the preacher commanded to do? Preach the word, in season, out of season, rebuke. Exhort, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Like, why did Paul have to write to Timothy and Titus? Because they needed some reproving, rebuking, and exhortation. I think the preacher doesn't spend time on his knees saying, Lord, please forgive me. Uh, you, I mean, we know this. Listen, you think your Sunday school teacher, whoever it might be, your parents, the whole thing. Listen, God uses the word, God uses all, uh, lots of things, but often God uses a man to point out our disobedience to call us to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. And who cares what tool he chooses to use? God can use whatever tool he wants. I, have, have, has anyone here ever had a conversation with a lost person and the lost person said something that convicted you? Because they're like, what? That's not what a Christian does. Yeah, you're probably right. God can use whatever tool he wants to. You need to listen. Listen. You need to listen to people who are trying to give you godly counsel. I'm not suggesting lost, lost people often do that. But God's in charge of the tools he uses. And somehow he likes to use men. Praise God. Or we're, again, we're all shot. 
Stop with this saying, you can't judge me because. God is the one doing the work. Let him work. Amen. So I don't, know if, I don't know if you've really thought of this, but there are no perfect humans, never have been, outside of Christ. So guess who God uses? All the imperfect ones. That's us. But God uses good things. So again, James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Cometh down from the Father of lights. The, the, person, the person God uses is just a channel for the, the, the perfection and message of God. If it fits, if it's good and right and the message is true, it came from God himself. Stop fussing against the person who's given it to you and start listening to the message that's being brought. Amen. And actually, we're kind of told to do that. I know this is preaching to the choir again, but Hebrews 13, 17, obey them, have a rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. I'm, I'm going to have to over, overbid that. But listen, who is the real deliverer? Always. Who's the real deliverer? God is. God's the one from start to front that was the deliverer in this passage. God is. But he used a man to do it. Are you stuck? Let's just stop. I'll kind of move on a little bit. God provides deliverance. God is the one who supplies the deliverance. He's the one who supplies the deliverer. He's the one that supplies the deliveree. All those things. However it might come. But I'm just asking you a question. Are you stuck right now? Are you stuck and captured by sin? Are you under the oppression of some sin? And be honest. This is just ridiculous for, for believers to say that they're not having a sin problem right now. Now, I know there's moments, thank the Lord, where you find, have this, you know, you get above the clouds, are like, woohoo! Last about two seconds, and it's whack! <laughs> are you stuck? Are you captured by sin? Got a sin you can't beat. You want to know how you got there? It probably started with something to do with God's word and probably you not obeying it. Amen. Somewhere the Bible or the preacher gave you clear instructions and you probably thought, why is this a big deal? Certainly it's not as important as that. What are they fussing about that for? Or maybe you believe the lie of the devil, which he's really good at getting believers to believe, I will never beat this. I cannot beat this. It's just something I have to live with the rest of my life. It's like Paul's thorn in the flesh. No, I don't think you understand what Paul's thorn in the flesh is. If Paul's thorn in the flesh was a sin, I, I, we, would, we would not have Paul. <laughs> oh, that's too big for me. I, that's, you know, maybe if I was some you know, great Christian or whatever. Or this one here. Well, I pray, but nothing happens. Again, wanting God to... God's, it's all God's fault I'm sinning. That's what that says, by the way. That's exactly what that says. When I say, well, I've prayed to God to help me with this, but nothing happens. In other words, you're saying, it's God's fault I'm still sinning because if he wanted to change it, he could. While you just sit on your duff and do nothing with no struggle, expecting God to wave his magic wand. You hear? Listen to the logic of that. The Lord always... And he probably is and has been putting things in your life to provide deliverance, to bring you deliverance. Thank the Lord for the mercy of God. He is going to keep putting things in your life and keep putting, keep putting messages and thoughts and songs and, and the word and the I mean, verses in your life that are going to remind you to draw you back to himself to say, I have sinned 
And so that he can provide deliverance again from the sin. Thank the Lord we have deliverance from the, from the power of sin. We thank the Lord we have deliverance from the, from the guilt and the, the end of sin. Okay? The condemnation of sin. But here we are as believers still dealing. We're part of a lot of our growth is still getting over sin. And we have to turn to the only, deliver, only providence for deliverance we can. That's God. God provides the deliverer. He's going to provide a deliverer. He wants to provide a deliverer. God is going to enable the people that are going to help you get deliverance. God's going to enable you to get the deliverance. Already has. Whole power of the Holy Spirit. Listen. He wants to give you deliverance. God is, wants to. And you have deliverance. According to the passage we read in, in, Rome, in, in Romans, we can be. Sin has no more dominion over us. The question is, the question is, are you willing to fight? Are you willing to put some struggle into it? Come on. Are you willing to put some struggle into growing as a Christian? Are you willing to put some struggle into, into making a church grow, making yourself grow, helping, helping your family grow spiritually? It's going to take work. And sometimes you have to go back over and win ground that you won already. Amen. Are you willing to do the struggle necessary? <coughs> well, why would I want to do that? Remember we talked about who provides the peace and what kind of peace it is? You want God's peace, you do it God's way. Amen. Listen, you want God's peace, you do it God's way. You can do, you can do your thing if you want. You can listen to, there are 100,000 people that are, uh, well, okay, that's an exaggeration. Maybe. There are plenty of people out there along the lines of Joel Osteen on a big curve. Uh, I'll tell you, Joel Osteen's practically teaching I mean, practically, he's on the verge of teaching what we call spiritism, which is demonic. He's right on the edges of doing it. This whole about the champion within you kind of stuff, that's demonic. That's, that's seeking a second voice, an inner voice, which is straight up demonic. But back up off that. There's this whole arc of preachers out there saying that, that are offering a, this fuzzy-wuzzy magical blessing of God somewhere that just suddenly clears away all the sin in my life, and I just don't have to do anything. And my whole life after that is just kind of, you know, shining, glow, falling through life as this glowing ball and, a, and just attracting without ever having to haul out a sword. And I'm looking at Ephesians 6 going, I think they might have missed a few passages. Uh, have you ever noticed, and again, I, I, I preached a message on this a little bit, and I might preach another one. I've got something rolling through my head right now. But the... The Hebrews, Hall of Faith, those great Christians, go read, the, go read that passage again. Because a lot of those great Christians in the Hall of Faith, we have just as many recorded sins of theirs as we do successes of theirs. We do. Why do we have, but why, do we have, why are they in the Hall of Faith? Because at some point, they struggled. They fought to do right. They desired to do right. They want to act. Listen, if you're, if you're whole Christian life and you just want God to wave magic wands over you, it, you, you're going to be vastly disappointed and never have peace in here. You're constantly going to be going, I just don't know. I wish this. I wish that. There's no fight. I'm okay with that. At some point, listen, at some point, you've got to draw a line in the sand. And say, I ain't going any further. God's word says this. 
Oh, God's word says I got to, this is the line. Oh, no, God's word says this is the line. And you fight to maintain. You fight to gain. And God says you'll have, listen. Amen. What's God's word say? What's God's word say? What's God's word say? Believe it. Obey it. Get into the fight. You are going to find peace in the middle of the fight. Matter of fact, that's kind of where God's peace comes from. Amen. Amen. It's a, it's a horrible story and a great story at the same time. The people of God turn on their back on what they know is right so they don't have to fight. And God providing great deliverance from the oppression that results from that. Every step of the way, God, the mercy of God. God's not going to leave you where you are. Thank God for a merciful God. Thank the Lord. I mean, just think about it. Praise the Lord that he allows things in our life that to us are oppressive and awful. But the purpose is not to just oppress us. The purpose is because we know what's right is to turn our hearts and minds back to God himself. Amen. The Christian life is not a magic wand. It's a journey. It's a walk. It's a pathway. It's a life, a constant life of drawing out the sword, spending time in prayer, trusting God, burying yourself in the book. Amen. It's a walk, a journey, an everyday choice. And who knows, maybe some of us can be listed in some heavenly hall of faith for just a few events in our life where we decided to step up and fight. Amen. Listen, you can grow as a Christian. You can grow as a Christian. You can. But you need to step up and struggle. Amen. Father, Lord, thank you. Lord, that any struggle on our part in faith, believing, and trust, Lord, has just given great victory. Lord, that you seek to put in our lives men and people and events to bring us constantly back to yourself. Lord, that it's your goodness that leads us to repentance. It's not just the oppression. You're trying to bring us back to yourself. Lord, I pray that as believers we would Lord, recognize that we can judge the fights of our fathers all we want. But ultimately, we've got, to choose, we've got to get in the battle. We've got to get our own fight. We have to fight in this generation. And we've got to make that choice. Father, please, I pray that you'd work in our hearts. Lord, help us to start digging into Scripture, really digging into Scripture and seeking the answers for the principles and the decisions and sometimes even the, the things that we have dictated in our lives and families, Lord, without really searching Scripture for it. Lord, help us to spend the time necessary. Lord, help us to begin to get in the fight for the growth of the kingdom, Lord, at our church. Through the giving of the gospel, Lord, and through making mistakes and through, Lord, sometimes failure and sometimes losing, but, Lord, getting back up and going after it. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us that way. Lord, I just want to thank you again and again, Lord, that it's the mercy of God 
that brings us back around again and again and again to do right, that brings us back to you to desire to do right, that brings us back to you to want to fight. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness of God. Lord, do it for us again right now, today. We thank you for it. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.